may be seated. We'll continue our study through Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3. Pick up where we left off last week in chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing one another, forgiving one another, and if anyone has complained against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, Put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of of the Lord Jesus. One of the things that's really special about Paul's writings, as you know, is he always lays out the doctrine in the first part of his letters to whoever he's writing to normally, and as is the case here in Colossians, and the foundation of what we believe. It's so important as believers that we know what we believe. You know, one of the criticisms of, of some of the atheistic people who attack Christianity is that, uh, and they're not really wrong in this assessment, but it, it, their critique and their judgment is that Christians don't even know their Bible. They don't even know what they believe. They just, it's all, it's all out of habit. It's all out of their family tradition, and that's why they do what they do. And, you know, they don't even know why or what they really do believe. They assume so much. And so, in one of these debates, he was debating with a cardinal. And the cardinal says, can you give me the uh, prologue of what you believe in, in your your belief? You know, you're following this, this atheistic thing, and, and, and I've, it, can't, it escapes me the title of, of what this guy had written. And he couldn't even give it to him. And not only that, <laughs> in the middle of it, he says, oh my God. <laughs> it's the guy was totally just caught. He doesn't even know what he believes, but yet he's criticizing the Christians for they don't believe. And then he's saying God as a byword who, de- who he doesn't think exists. So... I love the way the Lord has a way of sort of putting people right where they need to be sometimes in their uh, passions against him. And yet, uh, we know what we really believe. People who actually do study the Bible, people that take the time to open the book and read it, the Holy Spirit teaches us. He is our teacher. He's the one that instructs us. It's written so if you don't have a, a, a high education, so to speak... You can still read the Bible and receive from it. There's a, in fact, there's a lot of people who have left illiteracy because they started reading the Bible 
you know, they were able to pick up pick up the language and learn the scripture from the scriptures, English, and so uh, yet the guy that's educated in the languages, the Hebrew or the Greek, it's still a mystery. It's still you cannot plumb the depths of what's been written here, but and Paul uh, has laid out here. Uh, for the Colossians, even though he'd never met them, uh, what they should believe and in, in, in their commitment to keep Christ first. And then moving into this chapter, we talked last week about uh, not living after the flesh, but really setting your mind on things that matter, things that are eternal. And that's really what happens is that when you come to know the Lord, you have a paradigm shift in your thinking, your your spiritual view of things begins to become more clear and you be your value system changes what really matters in life is relate you discover is relationships with people you you cannot escape it it on every turn and tonight when we as we break into these uh five verses here you're gonna it, it is so apparent that what we desperately need in our lives on every level is peace and this is the this is the attack of the enemy of always attacking our peace. If he can get us to be uh, emotionally uh, em- emotional roller coasters, to just have this up and down type uh, walk with him or relationship with other people, uh, he, he can he can control us. And and that's not we're so we're supposed as we'll see here to be controlled by God's peace. And so as he begins to apply what he's explained and taught to the Colossians through this epistle that it's not philosophy that you should be looking to. You don't need to be smarter. You need to be more committed, if anything. It's not living under the law. The, that's the problem with the law is nothing wrong with it. It's holy, as Paul tells us in Romans, it's holy, it's good. The problem is is the, the weakness of sin nature. The law does not impart any help any aid whatsoever to help me live for God. All, it, all the law can do is tell me when I'm doing good <laughs> or I'm doing bad. That's all the law can do. It's an, it, it just analyzes us and tells us, in, in a sense, where we really are uh, in our attitude and heart. But it doesn't g- lend a hand whatsoever. But the law of the Spirit of life in Christ imparts power. We don't have to work for righteousness anymore. It's a gift given to us, and we work out of a finished work of Christ and the power that he gives us. And so it's, it's not any less here. This is what he's talking about. And with that knowledge, we set our minds on things above. We died with Christ, but we're risen with him. We live in the power of the resurrected Christ. The Spirit has been imparted to us. And then... Uh, as we come here, he says, therefore, is elect of God. Now, there's a lot of banter about the elect. And it just means chosen. I don't know why people make such a big deal out of this sometimes. It's it's tied to the foreknowledge of God. God knows everything that's ever going to happen or any possibilities of what could happen. God knows it all. And he... In in calling us elect, which just simply means chosen, he knew we would come. He knew we would yield ourselves. It, 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 this election, according to some, has nothing to do with our choice, and that is not true. You, you see throughout the whole scripture, God shows us that 
being uh, coming is up is, is not only God's will. We already know what His will is. It is that all be saved. But are are everybody that on the face of the earth and throughout all history willing to be saved? Well, that, we know that that's just not true. Uh, people have chose to walk away, and you know this whole thing that well, it's all whatever is supposed to be will be, and if it was meant to be, it was it was going to be, and that that really is a false. Also, there, that breaks down in life. That's you cannot outrule and never overrule what the choices that we make. The choices we make have consequences. You say, well, fine, that's your opinion. I'll give you a, I'll give you a scripture to substantiate what I'm talking about. David had just rescued the people from Keilah. The Philistines came and they raided the place, took the stuff, and and trashed the place and and they were pretty upset with David and a lot of things were going on there and so David what did he do in the usual manner he went and inquired of the Lord Lord should we um you know attack and Lord said yes t- take go go get them and so he did and he rescued them and then while he's there in Keilah he gets word Saul hears uh that David's hanging out in Keilah, a walled city. <laughs> and, and so, well, you know, Saul says, I've got him now. I'll just go down there and get him. So David gets wind of that Saul's going to come down and, and, and attack him and get him. And so he inquires the Lord, you know, should I, is Saul going to come down? And the Lord says, yes, he's going to come down. And then David asks another smart question. Will the people of Keilah turn me over to him? Uh, yes, they will. <laughs> so what did David do? He left. Now, as a, result of, as a result of his choice, Saul did not come down. And the people of, of Keilah did not turn him over. So there's two things that could have happened that God said would happen had David not inquired of the Lord and had he stayed there. So this is, this is the kind of thing. Choices are up to us. God can sometimes soften the blow of some of our wrong choices. But none, nonetheless, so this whole thing of elective God has doesn't overrule our ability to choose. You either love God or you don't. It's, it really comes down to that. It's, it's really that simple. But that's not the point of what Paul's talking about here. Holy and beloved, you're set apart. The word holy there, and that's not something we do. Holiness is not something we can manufacture. Holiness in the life of a believer is simply the presence of Christ in you. When Christ is present in your life and he's overflowing, that sets you apart. And and whether you are aware of it or not, that holiness, that separateness from the world speaks to people. It's like, you know, you've been around people and you can kind of, they don't have to say a word. And you you can kind of feel something. Like, like, like... (laughs) I think I need to leave, <laughs> maybe. Or it's like, whoa, there's this, there's passion there. Or there's a, we can sense one another's emotions. There's, we emanate certain things. And if you are walking with the Lord, it doesn't matter who you are, there's going to be a sense, a different sense that you're going to give off. And this is uh, really what I'm talking about. It's, really, uh, it's not really something we're conscious of. Uh, it's it's God in us, Christ in us. And then uh, what does he tell us to do? Put on several things here. Uh, tender mercies, literally uh, bowels of mercy. We 
when you feel things. Well, for example, when I, I know there's tears that come sometimes. There's tears of joy. There's tears of just you can't really capture what you're feeling inside, and and so you just you know, tears come. And then then there's tears of sorrow, and when you really cry, when you really weep, and and you know it's just deep tragic situations you don't cry from your head you don't it just the tears come but your your belly moves i mean that's the kind of what we're talking about so the jewish people sort of took took that into account when they were expressing their emotions they if you really feel something deep down you know it's it's your gut feeling this is kind of what's going on here and then this here it's Tender mercies. It's having a heart of compassion. You really care about people. You know, you heard a pastor say one time, you know, ministry wouldn't be so bad. It wouldn't be for the people. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) That's why you're in the ministry, bro. I mean, you know, people need help. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, God gives us that heart of compassion. Think about the heart of compassion that Jesus had. How he helped. He just it's like he couldn't help himself when there was a need he just met it and then in the Pharisees they they set him up time and time again about healing on the Sabbath because they knew he was this way you walking into a town and there happened to be a, a funeral procession hold stop stop hold on you know and he raises a son a son from the dead you know this he just hey there's a problem here let's see if we can fix that he just really cared and so this is what happens but we're to put on this we'll talk about uh this word here put on it's in duo which means to sink into to clothe oneself so here again is a choice I am responsible Paul is telling me the believer put on slip into your clothes and your clothes are these things bowels of mercy or tender mercies kindness humbleness of mind meekness long suffering forbearance, forgiveness, and love. So this is something we have to choose to do. It isn't something that, uh, as soon as you just, you know, just because you've accepted the Lord and you believe that Jesus is your Savior doesn't mean that it's a reality in your life. You have to want it. This is why he said, set your mind on things above. Seek those things above. It's something that we must want. But if you think about it like clothing, it changes the whole thing. When you get up in the morning and you get dressed to go to work, go about your business, you purposely make a choice to pick up your shirt, your blouse, depending on the gender here. (laughs) You put on your clothes and you purposely choose to do that. This is the same thing. We should dress ourselves spiritually. We're to put on the whole armor of God. This is, again, this is a choice put on. Uh, nobody else is going to do it for you. We're not invalidic in that sense. We're capable because of what Christ has done for us. Uh, let's look at some of these things a little closer though. Kindness. You know, there's some things you learn from certain people. And I have a dear brother uh, that I learned, he was, he is still, he's still living, uh, but he is one of the kindest people I have ever been around or, or worked with and he is just a kind person and the idea there is is he's in he has integrity 
and he's just good. He has a goodness about his life. And kindness is a special, something that we should be noted for as Christians. And I actually, I think that's sort of why uh, people hit on us for for money, you know. They that that you know the homeless people or the people that are beggars that we would call them beggars come up and you know knock on your car or or chase you down in the parking lot <laughs> to see if you'll give them a couple bucks for this or that, and because they know that Christians are compassionate, they know that they're kind, they know they're not probably going to get railed on. Uh, they usually stay away from mean looking people, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're not that stupid, right? And so. Um, this is kind of the idea there, just being kind. And then uh, humbleness of mind, and that's really, I, I think it's just kind of knowing your place. You, you know, that's really what honesty is, is you're honest with yourself, you're honest with who God is, you're honest with who other people are. And in in that transparency, you you sort of find your place and, and you're okay with it. It's a, It's really a deep sense of one's littleness. And now... You know, the best way I know how to, for myself anyway, to get there um, is to walk outside uh, in a clear night in the, when it's totally dark and there's no moonlight and then you look up at the stars. That usually has a good way of putting me in my place. <laughs> like, okay, I'm a needle in a, in, a, in a haystack that is without measure. <laughs> I mean, we are. I'm. I'm nothing. I'm. I'm one of. I'm a molecule compared to the universe. You know. Wow. You know. Just seeing yourself in littleness is good, but not less than what God created you to be. That's pride. That's inferiority complex. That's pride in the negative direction, and then pride in the superior direction is is also bad. But right where you are is what we're talking about. But this is something that we put on. This is something we pray. Lord, give us a humble spirit. Give us a uh, that kind of uh, testimony, that kind of heart. And then meekness is again. That's sort of akin to the kindness. It's gentleness. You know, and we. You know what meekness is? It's authority under control. You know, people that have a lot of authority and don't express it is 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 what this is talking about. Moses had tremendous authority, but he what he how. You know, it's sort of almost like counterintuitive. Like, why would you write that about yourself? That almost isn't that kind of arrogant. M- Moses, the meekest man in the earth. I'm not going to say dispute that whatsoever because he actually was set in the tent face to face with Yahweh, the physical Yahweh, and he dictated to him. You know, the the law. So you have to be pretty meek to have a relationship with God. That's what I'm saying you putting down what i'm taking you know you're picking up what i'm putting down here <laughs> okay yeah. so it's authority under control it's the mildness uh in nature and then long suffering of course we kind of know what that is just simply long suffer for in long periods of time <laughs> patience being steadfast it, but it also carry, when you get mad or you get angry you want to like you want to slap somebody, right? <laughs> you want to, you know, for guys, we want to get physical. Somehow we feel like that's going to fix people. And no, it don't. <laughs> it don't fix people at all. <laughs> it makes it worse. It has the idea of being slow to avenge. Uh, when you're, it's like, okay, okay. And then you, in that, in that working through the emotion, you just say, okay, God, you do, you take care of this. And it's always best, I've found, uh, 
to let vengeance, you know, the, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's a good verse to know and a good verse to let it happen. But because, God, as I said earlier, God has a way of turning the screws down on people a lot tighter than we can. And it's usually, it, it can work out a lot better in the end. And then forbearing one another, just uh, sustain, you know, just sustaining the right attitude until things work out is the idea there. Uh, you're bearing it, you're just enduring it, and hopefully it gets over pretty quick because I don't want to do this much longer, but you know, that you just kind of hold on. <laughs> and then forgiving, of course, um, even though you've been offended, think about Jesus. When he was reviled, re- reviled not again. What an example. I mean, the the nasty things that they said to his face, the hatred that they spewed out against him. And he, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know, most people that, hurting people hurt other people, and they don't really know. They're blind to the fact because they, they're self-absorbed in this situation usually. They don't really know what they're putting on other people. And that's that's sort of the, but we don't stop to think that through usually because we just, we often react. But Jesus never reacted. He always responded. And that's where God's taking you and me. This is what Paul's talking about here. These things, when we put these on, when we sink into this clothing, we are truly imaging Christ. And above all, love. Isn't that great? Verse 15 is the key as well. And let the peace of God rule your hearts. Now, peace in the New Testament is irene, is equivalent to the shalom in the Old Testament Hebrew. And it means to be complete. The Hebrew word shalom means to be complete or whole. Like if you had a, if you were building a wall and it was complete, you could say it was shalom. It, it, it was complete. It, there was nothing lacking. When it comes to life, when when they would say shalom to someone, they want their life, since life is complicated and hard, they want you to have complete wholeness in your life. And to the extent that you're experiencing the heaven on earth, to that degree of wholeness and blessedness. In the verb form, uh, you're to make peace. You know, it's not just the absence of war between countries and people and relationships, but it's it's you're to work towards that. And, and and believe me, it it takes a lot of hard work to to make peace, and to keep the peace. Uh, we all have so we're self determining individuals, and we and some of those determinations conflict with one another. But the key is 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 that peace itself, the Irene, is to be the rule. It's the umpire. You know, don't you love umpires? Do anybody play baseball and softball? We've all played. You've all been called out. <laughs> and when something is not according to the nature of Christ, it's out. We know what's right. This is, in fact, this is one of the number one things that I look for when seeking the will of God. Is there peace? When I'm contemplating a, a major, any kind of decision, really, you know, whether it's a major purchase or um, what should I do this or should I do that, you know, and I start contemplating the pros and the cons, you know how we work through things. You know, ultimately, when I make a decision and, and I rest in it, do I have peace? 
is there still something that's not quite settled inside? And you know what I'm talking about. You've already probably experienced this. That is a barometer. If you don't have peace about something, sit on it and wait until you do. And sometimes that's because you don't have peace. It may still be the will of God, but it might be the timing thing. So it's complicated. And this is what peace is about. Life is complicated. We need peace. It's a, it's a tremendous need. Uh, in the human being. I mean, we're living in chaos, for goodness sake. This is a fallen world. Everything against it is against peace. And this is what we're told when the Messiah would come, it would be, he would be what? The Prince of Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And when Jesus' birth was announced, we're, we're going to sing this, right? On earth, peace, goodwill towards men, this great need. When Messiah would come, it would be a reign of peace. Paul tells us in one of the other epistles that he is our peace. Jesus lived a completely peaceable life. He, there was never a time that he was ruffled. It just blows my mind. <laughs> he never lost his cool. That's, that was a miracle. <laughs> I mean, Peter, James and John, the remedial class, oh, they drove me nuts. Oh, these guys, these knuckleheads. Oh, did I make a mistake in choosing them? You know, I mean, he, he had perfect peace. And I'm not trying to put them in a bad light per se, but, you know, they were, boy, I'm telling you. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Okay. I thought you were going to bring the bread. Why didn't you bring the bread? That was your job to bring the bread. <laughs> now we're talking about doctrine, folks. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Just like, really? Oh, boy. That kind of thing. But the word, the key word here is let. It's sort of akin to what we have to do with the clothing, with the, what we have to sink into, put on. Now we're to let. That means it's already there. You know, if you have a spigot, if you want to get water from that spigot into your hose or container, whatever, you have to open the outlet. You have to let it out. And so it's the same thing there. It's, it's, it's the peace is there. Christ is our peace. We are with, remember we started this chapter last week, with Christ. We're raised with Christ. The whole emphasis, we are with Christ. So this peace that we, we have as a gift is right there. Well, I just need to, well, I just need to go see the doctor. I need some, I need some to calm me down. That is a trap. You, as a Christian, if you are a healthy body person, I'm not a doctor and I'm not against doctors, just saying. But this is what the world does. They, they can't find peace. To the wicked, the Bible says there is no peace. They have no tranquility. They, there's no rest in their spirits. I get it. So what do, what, do, what do we do in the world? We drink. We take drugs. We, we, you know, we look for, you know, some way to sedate ourselves because we don't have what we think we need. You know, don't fall into that trap. If you're a healthy body person, don't turn to some kind of drug to get peace. You already have it available to you. That's probably, there's probably people that will disagree with that. You're free to do that. Peace is such an important part of our lives. This is what we've been called to. 
And I think when, you, you, when we are living in peace with, with God, that's, uh, that's why we say that Jesus is our peace. We have peace with God because he broke down the wall. He's broke, he took care of the forgiveness issue. But it's not, that's not just peace with God. It's, we're talking about the peace of God in our experience. God wants us to experience Christ's life. And that, by and large, is peace. If we, um, we don't live in peace, in one sense, we're kind of we get we, our emotions will give place to the enemy, uh, because we'll cause we'll just we're not settling ourselves. It's hard to be settled with other people, and so, uh, moving on, one of the major attributes of our life should be thankfulness, and be thankful. This is one of the things that would be present in the church, according to Paul in his letters to Timothy, uh, the last ones he wrote, that in the last days, one of the characteristics of people in the church, the professing church, would be this absence of thankfulness. Thankfulness is, a, is really, as I said before, is a form of, uh, an expression of humility, because you're giving me something, or expressing something to me that I would not otherwise not experience or not possess. I am embittered because of what you have done for me or what God has done for me. Therefore, in bettering me, I owe a debt to express gratitude. And boy, you know, this isn't this what we have to do with little people that are in our lives to teach them. Now, what do you say, Junior? You know, Oh, th- oh, um, um, thank you. <laughs> you know, they, you don't really, like, know that. You wish you, w- they, you know, would have learned that from the womb, but they, they don't come out of the womb that way. You have to, have to teach them to be thankful and to appreciate it. And actually, it should be something that actually, thankfulness should really dominate our lives. Even the smallest thing. And we just learn to just pay attention to yourself. Do I give thanks to people for, for, for what they are doing for me every time? It's really something that we uh, can cultivate. And then this is another uh, thing we should do, uh, another let. It's, it's waiting there for us every morning, every night, all day long. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How important it is to just flood your life with the Word of God. You know, how many people would even consider going two or three days without eating? Well, if I'm going to fast, that's one thing. But if I'm not on a fast, no, it's not happening. (laughs) I'm eating. I'll be first in line, right? (laughs) Hey, what you know? I get home tonight from work, and it's like, um, what's for dinner? <laughs> you know, I'm ready to eat. But you got to feed that physical guy, or you know, after a few days, he's going to get weakened. So think it in terms of your spiritual person. You've got to feed your spirit. It's 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 the same. The analogy carries through perfectly, and this is Job learned this for goodness' sake. I esteem your word above my necessary bread, above my necessary food. See, if, and it really should take the priority. When I first came to Christ, um, 
I learned that. I mean, this, you know, the Spirit teaches you certain things that are important, and I knew the importance of God's Word, and, and God had convicted me, so I, I wasn't trying to be legalistic about it, but I, it, it set me on a good path. No Bible, no breakfast. Of course, I like to eat, so, you know, <laughs> where's my Bible, right? You know, if you, you keep that priority, you'll do well. And, and this is what we're saying, is just keep a Bible with you. Keep a Bible in your car. Of course, you have your phone now. When you're at the stoplight, you know, have, a, have a, the Bible app. Don't read while you're driving. Uh, <laughs> but if you're at the stoplight for, you know, like some of these that last for like three or four minutes. <laughs> that one. <laughs> you got plenty of time. You can buy get the whole chapter right there, you know. Have <laughs> <sighs> you had that problem too, huh? <laughs> that stoplight. <laughs> But if you just take advantage of, and, and I tell you, the peace will come, the anxiety of things that, you know, because life is happening, it's, it's complicated, and peace is, is going to want to just leave. Nothing gets me straightened out and on the, back on the right track. Sometimes I don't even know where to start. It's like, I need it. I know I need it, but I don't know where to go. Well, just go anywhere. Just go anywhere. I mean, if you want to play Bible roulette, I don't care. I mean, just... Grab a, you know, just start reading. And a, a word can lead you to another scripture that can lead you to another scripture. And if you just give God time, that's what we're talking about when I say let. Just, get, just let the Spirit give you something. You know, people talk about, well, I don't know about, I, I don't have that much time in the morning. And I go, okay, that's, I get it. Figure it out. Figure out your schedule. Figure out when your body rhythms. You know, when's the best time for you to spend time with quality time with God? And just give God that time. And, you know, it can be morning, it could be noon, it could be evening. Just give God time and let let that word uh, come to you. And how long should I, how much should I read and how long should I take? Well, the, the rule of thumb is simple. Read until it speaks to your heart. Then that's what God has for you for that moment. And there'll be another moment, but that's what it is for that moment. And just meditate on it. Think on it. Mull it around. Think, you know, park on it for a while and see what the Lord shows you through that. And, you know, make it your aim over your lifetime to at least read through the whole Bible one time. If you've never read through the whole Bible, then that's your, that's your assignment. Get it done. And, and you can, if it takes you five years, fine. But just keep at it. You'll make it through the these and thous if you just get a, get another version, right? You know, you'll get through the uh, genealogies. You just you can go a little faster through those. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. Don't worry about it. Just move on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're allowed. We're, there's a little grace here, right? <laughs> the point is, you, you you know the scriptures, and you gain a working knowledge of the scriptures. You are prepared for life. It will prepare you for life. So to wrap this up, what I would say, one, know the truth. Know the truth. When you're, Nobody talks to you more than you talk to you. And what are you telling yourself? Tell yourself the truth. Always tell yourself the truth. You know, with the truth, there's no amending. You don't have to amend the truth. It is what it is. If you lie to yourself, you've got to keep amending. If you, people who, 
who lie, you got to keep trying to cover it up. And then after they've tried to cover that one, they've got to, you got to maintain it. That's the problem with lies. It doesn't work. Truth. Know the truth. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. And be a people that's zealous for the Lord. That's what God's called us to. That's what he's saying here. Whatever you do in word and deed, do it in the name of the Lord because you're, you're, you're dwelling in the Lord. He's giving you, look at the list of things he gives you. Wisdom, instruction. We check one another. Beautiful exhortation by Paul. So, retain, retain it. Let sink into what God has provided for us. Eliminate everything that leads you away from the zeal of the Lord. Whatever takes you away from the presence of God, whatever takes diminishes your zeal for the Lord, cut it out of your life. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. And then um, create good habits. You know, what do they say? If you do something for 21 days, you've created a habit. So just think about it. If, if you just made it a point to get up like at half hour earlier because you got to go to work at such and such time and you did that for 21 straight days you, it would be a habit in your life isn't that pretty cool so just because you aren't there now doesn't mean you can't get there and that's the point create new and good habits and you'll strengthen your inner man Father we ask that you would just make those changes in our hearts in our lives so that we as Paul's told us to keep you number one to make you the priority of our life. Lord, there's so many distractions, so many things that are pulling and tugging on our hearts. And we just ask that you would protect us, Lord. Protect your sheep, Lord. Protect each one of our hearts. Guide us to that shelter every day of your word. Keep us in that close communion with you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.